Hi, and welcome to The Well Exchange, where we talk about how our spiritual reality impacts our business, our relationships, and more. Today, we're talking about kingdom community in contrast with church community and how we can have deep, authentic relationships and be known for who God's made us to be. For more information or to connect with us, find us at thewellexchange.com or on Instagram at thewellexchange. Hey, everyone. We're having a conference coming up called Heart Healthy Leadership, and we wanted to invite you. Have you ever wondered where you're at in the journey of your heart or even what the heart is? That's what this conference is all about. It's about orientating yourself and understanding what the heart is biblically, how we can connect with God from our hearts, and then from that place, how we can lead others from a healthy heart. And we're excited to facilitate those conversations and create points of connection with amazing leaders who truly understand how to teach this stuff because they've actually lived it. The conference is October 13th and 14th in Edmonton, Alberta, and this is a free event with an offering, and we're doing our best to live stream it for our international crowd. So please register at thewellexchange.com slash hearthealthyleadership, and we'll keep put those links in the bio underneath here, and uh, we'll, we'll send you some more information. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Well Exchange. Today, we're going to be talking about community and what we decided to call this working title. Maybe the actual title, we'll see, (laughs) is uh, Kingdom Community versus Church Community. And what is the difference between those two things? And um, and so Angela and I thought we'd just start out by sharing our story with community and and how that's kind of looked. And so I can can kind of start and then you can jump in. Sound good? Awesome. So... Uh, I grew up in a pretty conservative church, the kind of church that after worship community looked like shaking hands with the person behind you for a lot of people at the church. Um, and then my family would be the family that was uh, was there till the very end in, in the lobby. And actually, my parents probably would laugh hearing this because I would always be like, I want to go to lunch. I was so hungry. And, um, you were angry. I was hangry. <laughs> we didn't bring granola bars. Um, but my parents would visit the whole time. And then it was funny because I became that person later. And um, it was really good. Uh, we made some friends there. Um, you know, I watched my parents grow up. They had a family group. And so they they did community really well from what I saw. And, um, and so it was fun for me to get to see that growing up and then kind of see the fruit of it. We still have family friends from, um, from back in that day. Um, and, um, yeah. And then, so for me, my parents had that. And then I I went to university. My mom suggested I connect with a group called athletes in action and cause they had known some campus ministers from, from that group. And so I, I'd asked around, ended up starting my own group on campus and, um, Again, was I was doing, you know, Christian community is what I would say at that point. So I don't even know if it was church community. It was just, you know, get together and um, and we'd have our Bible study and then hang out a bit and that was it. And it was really about my fourth year university when God really, um, really began to form, again, community for me. But what it looked like was a lot different because we would still have the Bible studies, but I don't know if you have ever experienced this, but it's like the best part of church is actually like the visiting with people. <laughs> and so we, we would just hang out after we'd go for wings. We actually started having friendship and enjoyment and, um, and that really shifted things for me. And so, um, 
began to to continue on and actually went into ministry. Uh, you know, for me, had some not some. I had a lot of religious zeal, and uh, <laughs> now thought I was the leader of this you know group of people, and so. Um, it was funny because that, that title or role really alienated me. Um, and my friends were really great. They actually had, they shared that with me. And so I was able to, took a couple of years to step out of that, but, um, and really honestly, the mentorship of, of our leadership down at U church mm-hmm. really helped me. Uh, they created a safe space for me to grow as a leader, but not designated as a leader which killed me because my whole life growing up I was such a great leader I was like <laughs> oh people told told me oh Greg you're so great as a leader and um and then um you know we got married and I think we'll share our story together after but uh God had progressively through that time brought me on a journey of of community and really I, I would say starting off in in church community um, and then bridging into kingdom community, and we'll explain what that means and kind of how we, how we discern the difference. But I'd love to hear from you, love. Yeah, I I didn't really grow up with a lot of community, or at least what our definition of community is now, where there's long-standing friendships and visiting and families that get together and all of that. And um, a lot of it was just because I was in sports. I was in I was a swimmer, so I was constantly at, in the pool. <laughs> And if I wasn't in the pool, I was doing a lot of schoolwork. And so I think my activities um, really kept me from community for a long time. And we were reflecting on this just a little bit ago because we both have sports backgrounds. Like like high-performing sports High-performing performing sports like backgrounds. You, Angela's headed to the Olympic qualifiers for swimming um, and probably down the road of, of maybe making the Olympics. That's a very high bar, but like super, high bar. super, super competitive. <laughs> you give me more credit than I give myself. Also, because uh, I know the competitive nature of all the people right. that I swam with at that time. When, and I, I was on the track to pro football. Like I was still actually being considered, even though I stopped playing a year before the, our draft. And, and so we both had a, a lot of really busy sport life. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really took away from that. I, I For sure, I would agree. Like during junior yeah. high, high school, I... And we were chatting about it because I think looking back now as we're parents of three little girls and one on the way, we were just kind of reflecting on like, did that actually benefit us relationally? Because most of it, if we're looking at the fact that the only thing that goes with us into eternity is our relationships, most of the relationships that I had in that season or those different progressive seasons of my life, middle school, high school, into my university time, I talked to very few, if any of them. And I would say in my own heart, because I never really felt safe, I never really revealed who I I truly was in community. I, I was the type of person where I, and I still am this type of person, I can't say that I lost this, but I can step into an environment or a group of people and very quickly figure out how promotion and acceptance happens. And in my old performing self and my desire to want to be loved well, I <clears throat> I would constantly figure out that system and then perform to that system. And But really what my heart was saying is, I just want to be loved. I just want to be accepted. So I have a real heart for people who are high performers, high achievers. Um, I I get it. I get the struggles of 
being known for all of the great things that you do, but not being known at a heart level. Like that was my, I don't know, teens to mid twenties journey. Um, I came to know God. And then when I came to know God, I was in a very, uh, religious culture, um, where it was like, you couldn't ever say that you were having a bad day. Yeah. Or you couldn't really share like what was actually happening. And when you would, it was kind of met with this, well, just do better. Just mm-hmm. be better. Like I kind of. Or like, even the declarations, right? Like, oh, I declare that I'm full of joy. I'm full of joy. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like struggling with depression. Yeah. It's like, and I, and I'm not saying this doesn't work for other people. Cause some people really do. This is what God is doing in their journey. Um, is he's looking to get them to just declare and believe a different narrative. That's part of it. That's yeah. part of it. But totally. there were deep heart things. Like my heart was so orphaned. So like, I don't know what love actually is. I don't know how to do this. That it wasn't like, a, oh, change your mindset. Mm-hmm. It was really getting to the place of creating me a new heart, Lord. Yeah. Like, give me a soft heart. Give me a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone like Mm -hmm. that's where I was at and I wasn't ever at the place where I could share that in the in the ministry context that I was in fortunately I have this really wonderful like parallel life happening where I found this incredible bible study with older women I would say women 50 and older older than you older than me no most of them are 50s and older and then I would bring two of my friends older than you what are you saying I'm 49 no 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 (laughs) But they were, it was really that tightest, tightest situation, like find older women, let them mentor you. Um, that was really what my heart was, is like, they actually have journeyed with the Lord for a long time. And I saw just this raw vulnerability that caught my attention where their marriages were struggling. Their kids were walking away from the Lord. There was addictions, there all types of stuff. And there was a freedom to talk about it. And it was the first time I saw the freedom to talk about it. I saw the safety of it. And then I saw God doing miraculous things amidst that. Mm -hmm. Where I wasn't experiencing God really moving in the good works of just do a good declaration. And or what was worse is I was like, I had been told so many times, well, don't even give yourself permission to feel that. And I was like, "Ah, can't not feel like. It's it's funny because it's like you say don't feel it and then you push it down and then you know the next day you feel it and it's like what what is like i'm I'm, god i'm trying i'm really trying really hard to be so good god yeah and you know it's funny because we even angela had this conviction early on with her girls and i love that she did that we don't ever call our girls good girl because goodness is a fruit of the spirit well the core revelation of that was like our father created us in goodness. Yeah. Like we are his glory and his glory and his goodness cannot be separated. We're, we're good because he made us He good. made us to be yeah. good. Do we, is there fault? Yes. Is there <laughs> imperfection? Absolutely. Yeah. But that doesn't take away from the goodness that I and my daughters and Greg and all of us are created in. And that is our core identity is yeah. that we are innately good. Um, anyways, which back, is to, good. back to community. Anyways, right? back to community. Yeah. So, so when I would share like, oh my gosh, I'm st- God was bringing stuff up about my past or ways that, you know, I would withdraw from community or had been wounded in community. Um, and then I was told, oh, like, just read your Bible more or just uh, the worst is when they're like, well, just repent. I'm like, okay. 
repentance is not changing my mindset around this. Like all it is actually doing is creating a cloak of shame and it's making me feel like I can't even be honest with God. Because if I can't be honest with the person who I know knows God a little bit more than I can, how can I be honest with the person who created me? Like I was just cloaked in shame because of this like subliminal and it's so subliminal, but the subliminal, Hey, do better. So when I was, so when we got married and I, I came into what Greg had really cultivated at, at U church with people our age and young athletes and all of that, I, I was a bit, um, taken aback because people were so loving without a motive. It was just like, Oh, you're Greg's wife. And it used to irritate me. Like my name's Angela, not Greg's wife, but there was just this like, Oh, like I want to get to know you. I remember I sat with a friend and she was the first person that reached out. We went to coffee. Also an older lady, older than you, just older than you, older than me. Um, and I sat with her and, and we had, we were, we laugh about it now, but she's like, okay, so tell me your story. And I gave her kind of my like credentials slash you, you gave her your testimony i gave her my testimony your polished my testimony polished testimony yeah. and she kind of looked at me at the end she's like yeah that's all fantastic but like i want to know you and i i was really taken aback and i was like what the heck does that mean and i realized no you you just left at that <laughs> like you, it was an hour back. coffee like make sure you come back after and an i hour. left yeah that was funny <laughs> um yeah. And I was taken aback because I was like, what the heck does she mean that she wants to actually like know me? Like, you know my story, like that's knowing me. And I didn't realize that it was going to unfold into this transition from church community where I know about you to kingdom community where it's like, I actually know your heart without your shame, mm-hmm. without your fig leaves, without the, and by fig leaf, I mean the way that we cover up ourselves to not reveal what we're shamed about. And you can go to the garden. I use the garden for that reference when Adam broke relationship with the Lord. And first thing he did is he goes and he gets fig leaves and he covers himself up. Adam and, and Eve, yeah. He got too. And, they're like, and God's like, where are you? And here they are wearing fig leaves in front of God. And he's, he's not upset. He, what he mm-hmm. notices is that they're covering themselves. And that's what he got upset about was the fact that they cloaked themselves in shame in the relationship. Yeah. And what? so, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, so then we got, we got married. We got married. Yeah. And, um, immediately everything was perfect. <laughs> no. no. Uh, Angela, Angela went through like five major life transitions at one time. So she moved countries, moved jobs, um, moved support circle, got married and we got pregnant a month into being married. And so <clears throat> at the same time, when you move the social and support circle, um, she came into the relationships that I had formed. But what was difficult is there was an assumption of who she was in the relationship because I had cultivated relationships for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so that happened with some people, not everyone. Not everyone. But, um, you know, that was just tricky. Instead of just forming their own relationship with Angela, it was like, hey, you're going to be like, great. And Angela's more introverted by nature than I am. Um, in terms of how you recharge and all that kind of stuff. And I'm much more extroverted. And so it ruffled some feathers um, <laughs> when we first got married. And we, you know, it really took about the first year to figure out kind of an equilibrium, especially having a baby and getting that figured out. But during that time, because we were married and because we both carried something unique individually, 
uh, you know, one of our, our friends before we got married said this really well, and I think he got it from his parents, but um, he said, uh, you know, marriage doesn't change things in you, it just magnifies them. Um, so, you know, if you have an issue in the negative before marriage, it magnifies that. But also, you know, the gifts of who you are are magnified. And it's not that God can't, you know, grow those gifts, and it's not that God can't deal with the negative, but just understanding that about all those people who want to be married, that's just the reality. <laughs> it is the reality. And so, yeah. you know, Angela really had it in her heart to just do something we call family dinner. And so mm-hmm. we did that with the college students that we we worked with at that time and just started with the football players that I was, you know, the chaplain for. And uh, Angela, the first Which one we they did. They eat so much food. They eat so much food. And, <laughs> so uh, much food. And, you know, at, at that time we were just like, oh, we're going to do this. And we, I think we ended up calculating. It was like multiple five figures that we ended up spending. Feeding. Yeah. Feeding I, mean, I think it was at least five figures like, in expenses of food. Um, and just all the stuff around that. Well, and it started with the football players yeah, and, and they just... were like, wow, this is so different because our heart behind it was, Hey, anything that you talk about at the table is, is welcomed. Like there's yeah. no shame points. So we had students who were sleeping with their significant others and would share. We had ones that were in abusive relationships and would share. We had ones that, couldn't do their sport anymore and just were like struggling pa- past, through. Past traumas to like family like, stuff. And yeah. All of it. And it was just this meeting, this convergence, this meeting place of, hey, you're safe to just be known for who you are. Not for your sport, not for your performance, not for anything other than mm-hmm. like, how are you as a person? And it's okay to say that you're having a bad day or a bad month and we're not yeah. going to try and fix it. Yeah. I think they were most shocked by that is yeah. we were high pro- and we gave them our credentials. They know that we were high performing athletes. And the one thing that we set as a rule is like, we're not going to try and fix you. Like you're not a ministry project <laughs> to us. And it was God shifting our belief from the idea that community is a mission to community is just being together. So yeah. we really let go of, that community is a mission or community is a ministry or it's something that we have to do to serve, to have mm-hmm. people come to know the Lord. Like we let go of all of that. Well, what we learned and now we have language for it, but we didn't at totally. the time. Yeah. But what we were learning at that time is just creating a space for life to flow. And, um, you know, this is something that we learned later as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what, what we're called to be, we're, we're all called to be a revelation. It says that all the earth is groaning for the revealing of the sons of men. That that's that means you are a revelation. Like people, I don't know. We sing we sing worship songs all the time that diminish the glory that God has put into us. Yeah. Like you are a revelation of the Lord, and that's not to try and pump you up. To me, it actually creates more of a fear of the Lord in a, in a healthy way of saying, "Wow, God, you are so good." Mm-hmm. that you've you've made me in your image and I actually get to reveal you. Yeah. And so you're a revelation and we we want that. We want to be known. But it's also everyone's greatest fear. So everyone longs to be known. It's their greatest desire and it's also their greatest fear. So to actually reveal what's in your heart because mm-hmm. the belief is if you knew me, you would reject me. Which has happened. 
it's legitimate. It's legitimate. And to be honest, if you're listening to this and this has happened to you because of the church, like you came into the church. Let, let me get into that though, because I'm gonna kind of give the stepladder that we learned at this time. It wasn't on purpose. Sure. Okay. So there's everyone longs for revelation, but in order to get to that place of revelation, you need you need intimacy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so everyone wants to be intimate to a degree to be just to be known at the, at that level. But in order to be intimate, you need to feel safe. And what what's really interesting is that most people either don't ever feel safe because they've never had a place to feel safe or they just see maybe a modicum of safety and don't use discernment to say, oh, I I shouldn't reveal everything to this person and they reveal Mm -hmm. prematurely and that's where they have the trauma and it just creates a cycle of of mistrust. Mm -hmm. Really, ultimately before safety, you you need to trust one another. And so how do you do that? Well, you, you get together... You make some space and then someone maybe share something a little vulnerable, right? And, and, you know, that little bit of vulnerability, you're like, great, awesome. Like you, you don't, you don't use it against them. You also don't try and fix them. It's just, it's You there. don't gossip about it and or it, tell other right? people. And, and, and here's the thing as community people, as leaders of community, you need to safeguard those boundaries. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, then you're forming a culture that isn't a kingdom culture. But sorry, did you have something to say? Yeah, I just honestly wanted to repent real quick on behalf of the church where you might have experienced people betray your vulnerability or gossip about it or slander about it or where you felt safe and you did reveal and then found out that it was used against you as a weapon, like what you revealed was used against you. I just want to say I'm really sorry if you experienced that. That's not kingdom community that's not how our father does community and i just want to say i'm sorry for a poor misrepresentation of that yeah to the listener yeah Yeah. thanks stuff well um yeah that's beautiful now what do you want to talk a little bit about like origin of community and where we began mistrust or like what do you want to talk about now yeah why don't you give the origin and then sure so there was um there was a key incident, obviously, that happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam, Adam or Angela mentioned it before, where Adam um, chose to rebel in sin. So Eve was deceived. Adam was right beside her, and he rebelled. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be like God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so they they sinned, and in that moment, they were both orphaned from the father, from their father, because they were the first kids, right? And they, in their hearts there was a mistrust that formed in their marriage because they, they, Adam rebelled and Eve was deceived and they chose sin. Mm-hmm. And so there was mistrust that formed. However, what's important to understand is the first mistrust that happened in community was shortly after that. And so um, Cain and Abel is the story where, where Cain kills Abel. But before that time, so they only mentioned Cain and Abel there had to be other kids because there were no other women. Um, just thinking, you know, how that works. Uh, that's important. Um, but uh, at that time, they were in perfect community. They could, there, could have been, there could have been dozens of people by that point just based off of, um, 
we don't know the timeline of Cain and Abel and how old they were, right? They could have been hundreds of years old. So the, the earth is functioning in perfect community. They trust one another. They have to, to survive. And now um, Cain kills Abel out of jealousy and as a direct consequence, now we don't trust one another. Mm-hmm. And so what that really, what we, what we call that is, is alienation. Um, a lot of this stuff, by the way, we've had an amazing mentor named Paul who's, um, who's really just given us language for these things our hearts have experienced, and so we're so grateful for Paul. Um, I feel like we should, little asterisk, little asterisk, Greg and I, the way that we have been mentored is probably very backwards to how mentorship looks. Yeah. Is we have found that the mentors that God has brought us into in our life, the way that they mentor us is they actually wait until God starts doing something in our heart and they give space for the Lord to do that in our heart. And then after we get the language for it, Mm -hmm. very rarely do we get the language beforehand. Um, We get the experience from God. And then as we start to process kind of what's been transitioning in our heart or what we've just encountered with God or been pondering with God, that's when we start to get the, revelations and the mentorship of hey you're not alone in this yes you're on the the narrow path this is actually the father and then they just kind of plow deeper with us Mm -hmm. so they don't rush us along in revelation they don't give us like best practices or like do these things to get this it's always hey what's god doing in your life right now and we share or reveal what god's doing in our life right now from an, a very honest the most honest place and then that gives them the freedom to then share what the lord has given them to yeah. to kind of mentor us and so mentorship for us looks different than i think most church mentorship looks like mm-hmm. i would say yeah yeah absolutely think so yeah. well um just for time, I know we got to close. Maybe we'll do part two on this one. But I know we we talked about what is the difference between kingdom community and church community. Yeah. And so, um, you know, part of this to me really correlates with family. Okay. So, God had given me an understanding of this recently that the kind of the opposite of kingdom family is tribalism. So I don't know if you guys have ever said this before, but oh, this is my tribe, like this is my church, and um, it's it's interesting because we're the we're the body of Christ. Like, how can one part of the body say to the other, "I have no need of you"? That's what it says in the Bible, and um, but yet within the church, there's this tribal mentality of this is my group of people. It's not to say that you don't value that group of people, but family is open. Everyone's included in family. It doesn't mean everyone chooses to participate, but everyone is included. And um, and so that's it's key to understand because if we enter into tribalism, then we don't make space for maybe God broadening our community. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, in our case, when we moved cities, you know, we're not longing to go back. We love and enjoy our time with our people in Calgary. Like, it's so life-giving. I know. Because we're just known. Yeah. But it's it's we're, we were sent and now it's to establish more deep community in relationship with the people that God's given us here, which is is really fun. But then the, the kingdom metrics that we talk about, and I use the word metrics because it, it's helpful in terms of measuring, is it says in scripture, the kingdom of God is peace, joy, and righteousness. Okay, so p- 
peace, you understand what peace is, you know it, you can feel it. When something is peaceful, you rest in that, you understand. The verb of joy is enjoyment. It just means to enter into the joy of something. And so when you enter into the joy of a, of a situation, of a community, of, of your job, of whatever, then you understand, okay, well, this is part of the kingdom. And then righteousness means right alignment in covenant relationships. When I exegete scripture, that's what I see righteousness mean. And so when we're in right alignment with the covenant relationships that God has established, not what we are thinking we need to do, but what God has established, then we know we're encountering the kingdom. So when we bring that over to community, if you really want to build community or start to discern, is this someone that is safe to build community with? you're going to experience peace with them first. You're going to say, oh, well, there's peace here. doesn't mean they're perfect. Like we, we've built community with people who are very leery of it, mm-hmm. who had been, you know, really traumatized in the past from community, from church, from church community specifically. Um, and then you're going to start to enjoy one another. You enjoy time. You might enjoy doing stuff. Um, it's, it's like I said, that aspect of church that people most enjoy is usually the visiting. And then we enter into... You know, praying and asking God, okay, is it, are these the relationships that you've established? Um, and, you know, bit by bit, you you reveal. And um, and then there is space to actually do other deeper exercises, which we can talk about another time as well. But w- what we want to talk about, just so we can compare and contrast, is church community. Uh, church community, again, like I said earlier, there's there's tribalism. We experience a lot of religion. So this is the way we do it because this is the way we've always done it. And when we get stuck in the rut of, of routine and rhythm, it's not that the sacraments are bad. I, you know, every sacrament that I know in the Catholic church was founded in a revelation from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. So going back all the way to Jesus, every sacrament that's ever been done, like the act of communion, the act of the incense burning, the prayers that are prayed were all revelations, but it's getting stuck in the rut and really not and saying this is the thing we do because this is what we do instead of asking God, God, what are you doing and how do I participate with you and what you're doing? Okay, so we, we see that in churches, churches get stuck. Well, we, we have a, we have a family meal every Sunday um, after, you know, after the church service and it's like, well, what if God's, you know, feeding the homeless? one day and that's your outreach you know like mm-hmm. really it's it but it's it's not the assumption of the routine it's it's the being sensitive to what god is doing in the moment and how he's shifting things mm-hmm. and caring more about the relationship than being right yeah and wanting to be right about this is what we do this, you know, this is what we do because this is what we've done and this is how we do this is our culture like well our culture is messed up because yeah. we're messed up and so we need a constant refining of culture from the Lord. I'm not saying we're messed up in a negative way. It's that we don't have a perfect perception of what kingdom culture looks like. And so as God infuses more of that kingdom culture into the earth and into us, we get a new revelation of, oh man, God, we can do that? Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've had um, another guy that we've had some touch points with and, and we've listened to. Um, He's suggested to church communities to stop doing Sunday gatherings, to do the, you know, worship and the message. And because he's like, what, what do you guys, what do you experience the most life? Mm-hmm. Like in conversation. 
It's like, how, how could that be church? How could just having a barbecue be church? And it is because the kingdom of God is present. There's peace, there's enjoyment, there's righteousness. Maybe someone has a message. People are praying together. People are just enjoying one another, playing a game. What do you think you're doing in heaven? Do you think you're praying? Do you think, do you think worship in heaven looks like, oh God, I got to sing this song again? Or, concert. you know, I, I'm getting tired of standing. I want to sit down. It's not a concert. You know, we're not listening to a message from Jesus that's super boring. We're in, experiencing extreme delight, enjoyment, peace, just righteousness in the spirit with all of our relationships with God and with others. Mm -hmm. And so we can experience that on earth. You can just ask God what that looks like. It might be something like maybe you have like a lawn bowling community, something. I'm just trying to pick something ridiculous, right? But community can look like that. And you can actually have deep community in, in things that seem obscure and don't seem religious because they're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Enjoyment really is the key. Because yeah. as you were mentioning, you know, the stair steps of how we got places, enjoyment is where it starts. It goes enjoyment, enjoyment builds trust, trust builds safety. Safety brings this place of moving from vulnerability to authenticity. Or to uh, vulnerability Trans- to in- intimacy. <laughs> Sorry, transparency to vulnerability, vulnerability to intimacy. And intimacy to revelation. And intimacy to revelation. And that's when you start to get, you know, Greg and I, we kind of laugh about it when we share, but what we had cultivated in Calgary without even knowing was a garden-like experience where you could be naked emotionally. We had some amazing people to do that with who all carried significant parts that we just really stepped into into those relationships and you know had the idea really given to us from someone else and it just sparked something beautiful we're so grateful for those yeah and so we're we're not sharing this as oh these are the best practices we're sharing it to give a language to say you can actually get to the place of being fully known where someone can walk over look you in the eyes and know exactly what's happening and there's no shame behind it and you know that you're fully loved they're not going to jump in to fix it they're not going to make you a ministry project um but that you're just going to feel loved and supported in the midst of it and so i think we should do a part two on just more of the journey but we wanted to start the conversation around the difference between good old church community and where we're going in this new wineskin of kingdom community that's great thanks for joining us We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'd love to hear from you. So please find us at The Well Exchange on Instagram and send us a message.